On this episode of the Fieldhouse Files, the Pacers beat the Celtics on Monday to advance to the semifinals in Las Vegas. I'm here and we'll preview their matchup against the Bucks to be played Thursday afternoon. Then ESPN's Tim Bontemps joins me to discuss the team. I know that Fieldhouse Files has a prolific following. You know, I just want to be careful about sharing too much with the world. And welcome into the Fieldhouse Files, the podcast where I take you behind the scenes with the Pacers, talk to individuals on and around the team, and tell you what you need to know. Hello again, everybody, and uh, good to talk to you here from Vegas in this abbreviated podcast. And no, it does not sound perfect like a normal one back home in Indiana. But I'm in my hotel room and wanted to get this out before the Pacers semifinal game and how they got here is crazy too. In the fact that they're five and zero in the in season tournament, they're still undefeated in their city edition uniforms. Um, they had to defeat the Bucks, or rather the Celtics, on Monday to get here in the first place. And Celtics, I think, still by any account, is the best team in the league, at least the best starting five when healthy in the league. So that impressed me. Um, but you can't put anything past this team. The trouble is you don't know what they're going to do defensively, but in terms of how well they gel together, their offensive um, play, Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, just to start, talking about what they were able to get done on Monday, how about Tyrese Halliburton fighting through the elements, kind of like me right now. But he had some bronchitis, took an inhaler, asked him, do you do that? Have you ever done that? He goes, nah, man, first time. So credit to the Pacers medical staff for finding that. I don't know if you have to go get that or whatever, but it was something he sorely needed, and it changed everything because in the second half, he looked like himself again. Just seven points, two assists, and 20 minutes in the first half. Looked like a shell of himself. He was the first sub out, and that was by design. They brought T.J. McConnell in to replace him and to give him a break, and boy, did he need that. But then he came back in that second half, and Scored or assisted on 24 of 27 points during his first stint in that third quarter, including 20 straight points in a quarter where I think they outscored the Celtics by 14 in the quarter. And really, it was the decisive point in the game. Now, it was close throughout, and with about 90 seconds to go, Tyree spearheaded a 9-0 run, starting with that four-point play at the top of the arc, which was just beautiful. But Pacers got it done. Tyrese cemented himself again as the face of this team and a guy that can do it in a variety of ways. He can get others involved. You see him leading the league in assists. He can score. He can make the big shot. And we've seen for the last several years, he's good in the clutch. That was an issue for this team under previous regimes. Well, Tyrese can be clutch late in games, and he was. He delivered. And so that's a fascinating story, I think, and was happy to tell after Monday's game, and by the way, if you haven't gone to Fieldhouse Files and, and checked out what I've produced here, it's loaded right now with five stories over the last 24 hours. Um, an update on Jalen Smith. He's going to be out, but he is out here working and around the team and ramping up more. But Rick Carlisle provided the first update on Jalen since the original diagnosis of his injury. Also, did you, re you remember a month ago the Pacers' first in-season tournament game. Remember the very first play? You saw two de Cavalier defenders slipped in the next offensive possession. Um, next time down, rather, Tyrese 
slipped at midcourt and kind of did the splits. Well, there was something different about the court. It was how it was finished. And the NBA had a company, and it was finished differently than the Pacers normally do. So I wrote all about that story on fieldhousefiles.com. I thought that was very interesting um, about what was done and how it was very advantageous, too, that the Pacers were afforded and had three weeks between their first home game and their second tournament home game, and that allowed them to ship it off to Cincinnati to get that done. But I talked with several people about that situation. Talked to John Halliburton, Tyrese's dad, um, and you'll love this quote. He goes, um, talking about it being Tyrese's final or first TNT game, he goes, TNT, thank you. You finally, finally realized here in Indiana we have a team. We have a team in Indiana world Come see it. So never a dull moment when you're talking with John Halbert. You can see where Tyrese gets that infectious personality, the likable character to him. That's John. His his mom, uh, very quiet, always present, extremely loyal, will do anything for her kids, um, always around. Um, and it just it's awesome to see that. And by the way, remember where they're from, Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Pacers facing the Bucks Thursday against the team from Milwaukee. Yeah, this one means... Even more than, even more than it means for an in-season tournament game, I would say. But at this point, the stakes are irrelevant. What you have here now, a collection of super competitive guys. That yeah, money's on the line. Yeah, an NBA Cup's on the line. Yes, it's on national TV. They want to fight. They want to compete, and they don't want to get beat. And so you're going to see the best, I think, play out coming up on Thursday. I guess it's late afternoon back in Indianapolis. And I was asked, you know, why is that? What's going on here? The short answer is they're selling the two games in two different tickets. Therefore, think of it as two different events, two different game tickets. Therefore, the one game here is at five. Uh, I got to do the math on the different. Yeah, one game is at, I think, five. And the next game's four hours later um, to make that possible and to do so the first one's on espn the next one's on tnt there's a i think nelly and neo concert in between and all that so um more to it too is they they built an incredible practice court uh, that's just kind of in a tent but is has the premium feel right outside the arena so guys can come over and get shots up whenever they can get shots up before the game longer than maybe they have access to on the court others are using that as well for example the pacemates are out here boomer is out here other side note, Pacers stats crew is out here. They're the stats crew for the three games out here, which I think speaks to the team and league's confidence in what they do and being probably one of the best in the league at and most accurate at doing stats. So that's certainly of note out here. But on Wednesday, it was a full media day. Full media day. We heard from every single team that is playing, so all four of them in order. There was a shooting, which is bizarre. I got a text from a couple people back home. Fortunately, it was not near us, and I was safe, but that was a weird text to pop up in the middle of hearing, I think, from Miles Turner at the podium. We also heard from Tyrese. We heard from Rick Carlisle as well, and all of that can be read at fieldhousefiles.com for what they had to say. Um, in that, of course, he, Rick Carlisle provided the update on Jalen Smith, the said, you know, they're very much a team that's taking advantage of the situation. They're opportunistic about what they're doing. He said, quote, the team is in a great state of mind, really optimistic and opportunistic group that is looking forward to this opportunity. And of course, they're the underdogs. I'm surprised it's only a four and a half point spread. These two teams played Pacers and Bucks a month ago in, in Indianapolis. However, 
The Bucks were on the second night of a back-to-back. And Damian Lillard didn't play. Giannis, meantime, went off for 54 points, one point shy of his career high. So that's someone clearly they have to contain, yet at the same time, it's that position that they've struggled with most. The three and the four spot is they just don't have a good answer for players on the other team at that role. They don't have that 6'8 wing. So very curious of how they'll choose to defend him, throw some bigger bodies, maybe a Miles. You'll see some Aaron Neesmith on him. Um, I wonder if Aaron Andrew Nimhard rather has a greater role. He only played like one stint in the last game as Rick Carlisle really played a playoff-like rotation, really playing seven guys, but I guess eight if you count TJ McConnell, who played a couple big stints, but only like nine minutes total. So that's where we're at here. Um, otherwise, I think I think the the contrast in the approach is a little interesting, like. Yesterday was Giannis's birthday, his 29th birthday. He noted how he's kind of away from family, joked how NBA and media are kind of his second family when he's around, but he'd much rather be at home, and kind of that was the vibes there. And on the other side, the Pacers were grateful. They were embracing the opportunity. They looked forward to this challenge, the bigger stage, being on national TV once again, being recognized, being celebrated, but also very wise words, I, I thought, just in general, too, about how they're handling maybe this additional, I don't know if you want to call it pressure, but spotlight. Um, And here's what Miles Turner said to end his press conference. I think we still kind of feel like guys don't take us serious enough yet. And until we go out there and actually start winning more meaningful games or have the chance to play on national TV and take care of business, it's not really going to mean anything. Bingo. He nailed it. It's one thing to be on it and or to be talked about or be in the games that are shown more widespread. Just one national TV game they were given before the season. This will be their now second game in a row. But it's about taking advantage of it and winning or at least playing them close, not getting blown out. You guys probably remember like I do how you know previous years they would get a couple national TV games almost always against the Bucks. It felt like one of them. And they get blown out by 18 points. Like No network wants to show that. Pacer fans don't even watch that. Um, when they're kind of disinterested and not playing well out there. So this one will be a fun one. It's Thursday afternoon in Las Vegas. I'll have full coverage for you right on fieldhousefiles.com. So I invite you to join me there and subscribe to make sure you get all every story delivered directly to your inbox. And one last thing I'll leave you with this. In talking about national TV, it will be noteworthy and cool. The fact that today's ESPN broadcast will feature a non-ESPN employee. Instead, it's Reggie Miller. They're trying, like with the in-season tournament, they're doing a lot of things differently here. And so Reggie Miller will replace Doc Rivers on the ABC uh, finals team, basically, right, with Mike Breen on hand, versus um, the next game, Doc Rivers takes Reggie's spot with the TNT crew. So that's something different that they're also doing out here. But it'll be very interesting to hear Reggie's comments about this Pacers team and about the Bucks and this matchup. Would have been even more interesting if the Knicks had beaten the Bucks. So it was Pacers, Knicks, ESPN, in Vegas with Reggie on the call. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. But before I close out, here's my conversation with Tim Bontemps of ESPN. He's kind of a versatile reporter. 
um, mostly on the East Coast, but covers a lot of Eastern Conference teams, Philly, Milwaukee, the Pacers right now. Uh, so he's been at the, he was at the last Pacers game against the Celtics on Monday. He's here in Las Vegas. So enjoy the ambiance too. We recorded, couldn't find a quiet space. We recorded this in the hallway inside T-Mobile Arena in between interviews. So here's Tim Bontemps of ESPN Talking Pacers. All right, as promised, I'm now joined by Tim Bontemps of ESPN. We're in a tunnel here, uh, kind of in between interviews uh, inside T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. We've been wanting to do this for a while, but Tim, you were in Indianapolis on Monday for Pacers Celtics. You've been following them for quite a while now and and, and seeing what they've been able to do and kind of restart the culture, establish something else in a group right now that really has no experience outside Miles Turner in big games. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been fun to see what the Pacers have been able to do with building this thing around Tyrese Halliburton. You know, we were just talking about it with, with Dustin before. Um, I've known Rick Carlisle a long time. If you told me he was going to have a team that was leading the league in pace, that was playing at the breakneck speed that the Pacers are, that frankly is full of a lot of young guys who do a lot of knuckleheaded things on the court at times mm -hmm. as far as, you know, flying around and sort of sometimes causing good chaos and sometimes causing bad. I wouldn't have really believed Rick could handle that, but... like By the way, like Buddy taking the last shot in a worthless game. How about nobody giving him any shit for that? I'm actually surprised, although it's kind of Buddy being Buddy. Yeah, I, also, I think, like, the Celtics... They, at that point, were just sort of like, whatever, the game is over. I, I don't know. Half the guys don't even know if knew they made the, he made the shot. Like So, yeah, I don't, the guys don't really care about that. But, um, yeah, I think for this Pacer team, it, it's been really fun to see. And, obviously, you know, when you have a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, who is clearly one of the bright stars, superstars in the league, um, it changes the entire outlook around the team. And, like, for as good as Victor Oladipo was, he was not that level of player. Like, you know, you're talking about Paul George, Reggie Miller, like mm -hmm. Tyrese Halliburton is that kind of player. And when you have a guy like that, it changes the whole calculus for your team going forward. And there's a lot that's still to be done for the Pacers to become a championship caliber team, but they have the most important thing, which is they've found the guy yeah. that they can build around and who's one of, you know, maybe the two or three best offensive players on the planet and is the guy that is the hub of everything they do. And, you know, that having him as a starting point, it's a pretty good place to be in. And uh, I'm very excited to see what the next steps are to build around him from here. Ty's increased his scoring, he's increased his efficiency, but I think the biggest compliment you can give him is he raises everybody else's game. That's why I think it was so important for him to at least be available Monday night. I mean, first half, seven points. Well, he was always going to play. Yeah, He was never totally. missing that game. Uh, I mean, he would have he had to have not been able to literally move uh, to play because, as we know, he, he circled the fact that he had never been on TNT. This was his first time ever on TNT. They've, the Pacers from the beginning wrote about it last month. They have, I, I think they've really exemplified what the upside of this tournament is from a league standpoint. They're a young team that does not have a lot of national TV exposure, and you get a chance to put a guy like Tyrese on national television and show the Pacers' style to the basketball public. Like, I'm sorry, if you watch the Pacers play at all, you are, you are in love with what they do. Like, Tyrese is an incredibly fun player to watch. And their style, you can't help but enjoy it because it's just chaos all the time. They might win or they might lose, 
but you have no idea what's going to happen. Right. And there's going to be a lot of points scored. So many. So, like, tomorrow, I mean, we were talking about this before, the over-under for this game on Thursday is 254.5. I think it's the highest over-under in 30 years. Mm-hmm. So, like, this is going to be an absolute offensive shootout. And, you know, from a basketball standpoint, it's going to be great fun to watch. And I I think it's really cool for the league. You've got one of the, the biggest stars on the planet in Yas Senecupo and one of the brightest young stars in the league in Tyrese Albert going head-to-head in the semifinal. Yeah, I remember the last time they played a month ago. That was that was kind of the storyline. The over and un, over under is like two fifty three and a half, and it blew that out of the water. So no surprise to see that kind of the case again for this Thursday game. I do want to go back to kind of the first thing we talked about here, which was Rick Carlisle and how he's evolved. It's actually a story I'm working on right now. I've talked to several people, including Chauncey Billups, of like what he used to be like, and and I know Rick's talked That's about going back in the wayback machine talking to Chauncey. Yep, and then Eddie Gill, who's a Pacers TV analyst, played with him in his first iteration. Um, with the Pacers, and I think while Rick has said, for example, for like 10-plus years he hadn't called plays, I think he's empowering his team more than ever and making sure they know what he wants but allowing them to kind of read and react. And so that's been a fun evolution. And just last week, I think it was, he became the winningest coach in NBA franchise history. So now he holds that title for two different franchises. Yeah, I mean, Rick is Rick's one of the all-time great coaches. And, you know, I mean, he's he's certainly up there on any list. Uh, for that reason. And look, I think, you know, he talked after the game on Monday uh, about the fact that if you're going to be a team that runs and you're going to push the pace like they do, it has to be a commitment across the board, right? Like, it's very easy to say, yeah, we want to run up and down and we want to play fast. Like, that's the, the thing every coach has said in the history of humankind is we want to play fast and score more and be exciting, right? That's like the, the stock answer for any coach to give. It's also but how it, you sell it to players yeah, as well. But it but it's but it even if you're trying to sell it to players, like it's very hard to get your entire organization to buy into an ethos that what we are going to do is run the ball down the throat of the opponent every time. And I think, you know, I'll be curious to see when the Pacers get to the playoffs how it holds up. But when you see them on a one off basis the speed and the pace at which they play is incredibly jarring for an opponent. You saw it a little bit with Boston the other night. Like, yeah, they didn't have Porzingis. Yeah, they missed a ton of shots they normally make. They probably should have won the game from a shot quality standpoint. But the Pacers just sort of relentlessly pushing the pace all the time, even in a night where they didn't score a lot, it speeds you up and you start making mistakes and you start doing stuff you shouldn't be doing. And that's a credit to these guys all committing to flying up and down the court and playing fast and running all the time. Some of that's Tyrese being willing to share the ball and get guys involved, which helps get guys feeling good. But some of it's also just like these guys are committed to playing this way. And I think the front office, Kevin Pritchard and Chad Buchanan did a good job of going out and finding players that fit the way this team wants to play. Like Obi Top is a pretty flawed player. He's not a great player, but when he got traded to Indiana, I was like, that guy makes a ton of sense for how Indiana wants to play. They get Aaron Neesmith in the Malcolm Brogdon trade. I didn't think he was very good in Boston. I was like, well, it's a nice flyer for the Pacers to take. They've turned him into a guy who's been a really critical piece for them as a guy who can guard multiple positions, play really hard. Um, even though his shot has never really come around the way it was supposed to, he's turned himself into a different kind of player. Much better recently, too. Yeah, well, that's and it's gotten better, too. Like He came into the league as sort of this, like, you know, you know, this shooting guard who was supposed to be a floor spacer and he couldn't really hit a shot, but 
I mean, he just played so hard all the time. That was sort of the thing about him in Boston early in his career when he would get flashes of time to play. It, it makes sense he sort of found his way onto this version of the Pacers because this is how he always was in Boston. Like, you were afraid guys were going to get hurt all the time because he was just, like, out of control, flying around, throwing his body around. But that's sort of what this team has embodied itself as. Like, they, they're going to play at that kind of pace at both ends all the time, sometimes for good and sometimes <laughs> for less than good. Um, but that's why they're super fun to watch. And, you know, it is going to be interesting to see sort of what the, what the next steps are from a building standpoint. Um, it's got to be defense, man. That's where I was going to go with this. For how good they are offensively, they are that bad yeah, defensively. Well, that, yeah, we had a running joke on Hoop Collective for a while when they were they were, uh, for, were the, the best offense of all time by a lot, and they were DFL, as we like to say, uh, in the history of the league in defense. And obviously it's gotten slightly better since then, in part because some of these other teams are very bad. Um, but, yeah, like for them to be a serious championship contending team, they have to get better at that end of the court. But – the tricky part of that is if you just if you just have Tyrese out there with a bunch of guys who can't shoot but can guard, right? You're, that's not really going to get you where you want to go either, you know? Because like the reason they're so good is yep. because they're playing so fast and they're shooting all the time and they've got this incredible offense. So you have to balance having the incredible mm-hmm. offense with a good enough defense to get over the line without giving up too much at the other end. It's like nobody thought Denver was going to be able to win. Last year, Denver was able to get over the line with a mediocre defense with everything built around Nikola Jokic, who's certainly not seen as a dynamic defensive player and I think a that's more the, important defensive position. I think that's the point, though. they just got to be mediocre defensively because last two years, I think 26th, 28th, and this year, at least 30th the last time I had looked. So yeah, they can make yeah, marginal improvement. Right now, but, yeah, like the bottom five is just not acceptable. Like the, the Nuggets last year were somewhere around middle of the pack. Like, if they could get in the top 20 and they have the best offense in the league, like, if you'd have told me that five years ago, I would have said it doesn't matter. You're not good enough. Where the league is now, at least with the current offensive system and rules in place, you might be able to do it if you have the best offense in the history of the league and you're 18th in defense, right, If depending on exactly how you're doing it. Um, but they have a long way to go to even get there. Um, but, again, it's like it's not to diminish what's going on right now. This is super fun, but the Pacers are also hovering around 500 for a reason, yep. right? Like they, they, they're a, a, good, a good, fun, young team that's taking meaningful steps forward. But this is sort of the – this is like the hardest part now, right? Like it's very easy to tear it down. And once you sort of get to the top, it's once you have the main pieces to get you there, it's kind of not easy to stay there, but you have that – core in place you could sort of tinker around the edges and stay there for a while the hard part is being in the middle and having to make the leap mm-hmm. up and you know certainly Jairus Walker is the kind of guy that as he grows as a player he is the kind of skill set that could be a perfect fit for what this team needs right it's very raw right now yeah no and he it, crushed the G League game last night but he just hasn't gotten meaningful minutes well, just and, yet and certainly with a guy like him what you want to see is that you want to see him in the G League and killing mm-hmm. it because typically if you see guys like that playing well in the G League that tends to translate down the road to the NBA at some point so yeah so like you need to kid on him they, obviously the Pacers have a ton of uh salary cap space potentially next summer maybe they go out and make a trade this year. Maybe they go out and sign some guys in free agency. Like they have the flexibility to do a lot of stuff, but they have to, I think, really be deliberate in what they're trying to do because what has made them so fun and exciting is that they have this 
very distinctive style of play. And now you have to try to marry that style of play to making the improvements necessary to take real steps forward in the East. And by the way, like you have to deal with Joel Embiid. You have to deal with Jason Tatum and the Celtics. You have to deal with Jimmy Butler and the Heat. You have to deal with, you know, the New York Knicks, who are still a very good team, and the Cleveland Cavaliers with Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland and Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. And, like, there's a lot of really good te- – and Orlando, right? Like, the Orlando Magic are really good. Another mm-hmm. team like the Pacers sort of the polar opposite in how they're built. But, totally. But two young teams with big-time young players that they're building around and are on the upswing but are going to have some real choices to make about how to go from A to B from being a good team to a true contending team. Um, but that's what's fun about watching teams like this evolve because you can see sort of in real time the steps forward that they're taking. And for Indiana, it's been neat to see them embrace this tournament. And, you know, you can point, you can poke holes in how they did a little bit. Obviously, the Atlanta game was a circus. Getting They got, I think, a little bit of a benefit having the baseball series with Philly and you know, getting that second game in a row at home or against them probably – help them win that game. Um, but look, they beat everybody in front of them. They played fantastic the other night against Boston. And I certainly think they could beat Milwaukee. And, you know, I, I think this has been a great experience for them. And I, I'm excited to see what the next steps are. Yeah, this is incredibly valuable experience for these guys that have not had it. I think, to your point, this is a good checkpoint. In year three of a rebuild here, as I put it, mm-hmm. this is a chance for them to start taking off and you know they won 10 more games last year trying to make that next 10 to your point very very difficult um but to maybe wrap up here is what they got with Tyrese Halliburton I I think what could help is him recruiting a guy a wing specifically is something they have not had probably truly since Paul George if they could get a Pascal Siakam or someone to that point that could be a two-way um, type guy, but from a national perspective, because we've we covered every day on the Pacers, but I think for the first time now, we're starting to see the Pacers get the attention. Tyrese relishing in that, but also the thing I, I like to highlight is he realizes we got to keep winning, we got have to keep playing well to keep deserving those opportunities to be seen. Yeah, I think that's all true, and that's why I, I you know, he from the beginning has been very. And, in, in, you know, insisted on the fact that they need to win games and they need to, like, you know, I think he said the other, you know, might have been Miles Turner, one of them said the other night, you don't, you don't get on national TV if you're not winning games, right? Like you got to win games. You've got to improve. You've got to take steps forward. Now, I don't care how good Tyrese Halliburton is and how fun the Indiana Pacers are, recruiting guys in Indiana is going to be hard. Right. But wouldn't so, you say the same thing about Milwaukee? And given Tyrese is well, not a Giannis level yet. Is, that's what I mean, though, right? They didn't necessarily recruit guys. They went and traded for guys. Mm-hmm. And in particular, traded for Drew Holiday sort mm-hmm. of at the point when it was like, well, what's going to happen with Giannis? Well, we get Drew Holiday, and then they win the title, right? But, like, they had to make a lot of moves over a long time to sort of get to the point where they could make – they could sort of go all in to make one big move to sort of get them to the finish line. So that's where if you're, you know, if this team was in a glamour market and had 60 million in gas space or whatever they can have, right? You'd say, oh man, look, they're in Miami. Just pretend they're the Miami Heat. Everybody be talking about all the money the Heat have to spend. and all, the, all these guys are going to want to go to South Beach and play with Tyrese. This is going to be great. And like, you're just not going to hear that about the Pacers, right? Like they, they went out and gave Bruce Brown a lot of money last summer to, to get him to come. So like, but it also, I think, with the new rules and the way things are, I don't think you have to necessarily go get 
huge star pieces. What I think you need to do, though, and obviously, look, everybody's looked for for two-way wings. That's the that's the, the 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 gold standard in the league for assets, right? You have which is elite. also the flaw of this Pacers roster: too many guards, too many centers, yeah, no. zero exactly. of their swing. Exactly, which is why you know you've got Aaron Neesmith guarding Jason Tate, and like he did fine the other day, but yeah. that's not going to be good enough in to a seven-game series to beat, to beat real teams. Are going to fall short eventually, right? So that obviously is the main weakness. Um, but yeah, I think. There's a lot of ways. There's a lot of ways to get there, and if you're in a smaller market like Indianapolis, you do need to be a little more creative in how you go about that stuff. Um, but certainly, I think when you look at how they've put this thing together, and they've got a great coach in Rick Carlisle, they've got a tentpole superstar who is as fun to watch as anybody in the league. Like, there's a lot to be excited about if you're a Pacers fan, and you know, obviously. It's still to be written exactly what this group looks like over the next several years, but whatever the ultimate ceiling is for this team, I, what I'm certain of is they're going to be just extraordinarily fun to watch. And having a guy like Tyrese Halliburton to be the the guy you you is your north star and you build your franchise around, it's, it's a pretty fun place to be in if you're a Pacers fan. I think. Appreciate it, Tim, and good to have you on the uh, Pacers beat, kind of for the last couple of games. Yeah, anytime, man. Great to see you.